0: LETTER ONE OF LETTERS FROM A FARMER IN PENNSYLVANIA This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Bruce Moser LETTERS FROM A FARMER IN PENNSYLVANIA BY JOHN Dickinson. Letter One My Dear Countryman, I am a farmer, settled after a variety of fortunes near the banks of the River Delaware in the province of Pennsylvania. I received a liberal education and have been engaged in the busy scenes of life, but am now convinced that a man may be as happy without bustle as with it. My farm is small, my servants are few and good. I have a little money at interest. I wish for no more. My employment in my own affairs is easy, and with a contented, grateful mind I am completing the number of days allotted to me by Divine Goodness. Being master of my time, I spend a good deal of it in a library which I think the most valuable part of my small estate. And being acquainted with two or three gentlemen of abilities and learning, who honour me with their friendship, I believe I have acquired a greater share of knowledge in history and the laws and constitution of my country, than is generally attained by men of my class, many of them not being so fortunate as I have been in the opportunities of getting information. FROM INFANCY I WAS TAUGHT TO LOVE HUMANITY AND LIBERTY. INQUIRY AND EXPERIENCE HAVE SINCE CONFIRMED MY REVERENCE FOR THE LESSONS THEN GIVEN ME, BY CONVINCING ME MORE FULLY OF THEIR TRUTH AND EXCELLENCE. BENEVOLENCE TOWARDS MANKIND EXCITES WISHES FOR THEIR WELFARE, AND SUCH WISHES ENDEAR THE MEANS OF FULFILLING THEM. THOSE CAN BE FOUND IN LIBERTY ALONE and, therefore, her sacred cause ought to be espoused by every man, on every occasion, to the utmost of his power. As a charitable but poor person does not withhold his might, because he cannot relieve all the distresses of the miserable, so let not any honest man suppress his sentiments concerning freedom, however small their influence is likely to be. Perhaps he may touch some wheel that will have an effect greater than he expects. These being my sentiments, I am encouraged to offer to you, my countrymen, my thoughts on some late transactions, that, in my opinion, are of the utmost importance to you. Conscious of my defects, I have waited some time in expectation of seeing the subject treated by persons much better qualified for the task But being therein disappointed, and apprehensive that longer delays will be injurious, I venture at length to request the attention of the public, praying only for one thing. That is, that these lines may be read with the same zeal for the happiness of British America with which they were wrote. With a good deal of surprise I have observed, that little notice has been taken of an Act of Parliament, as injurious in its principle to the liberties of these colonies as the Stamp Act was. I mean, the Act for Suspending the Legislation of New York. The assembly of that government complied with a former Act of Parliament, requiring certain provisions to be made for the troops in America, in every particular, I think, except the articles of salt, pepper, and vinegar. In my opinion, they acted imprudently, considering all circumstances, in not complying so far as would have given satisfaction as several colonies did. But my dislike of their conduct in that instance has not blinded me so much that I cannot plainly perceive that they have been punished in a manner pernicious to American freedom, and justly alarming to all the colonies. If the British Parliament has a legal authority to order, that we shall furnish a single article for the troops here, and to compel obedience to that order, they have the same right to order us to supply those troops with arms, clothes, and every necessary, and to compel obedience to that order also, in short, to lay any burdens they please upon us. What is this but taxing us at a certain sum and leaving to us only the manner of raising it. how was this mode more tolerable than the Stamp Act? Would that act have appeared more pleasing to Americans, if, being ordered thereby to raise the sum total of the taxes, the mighty privilege had been left to them, of saying how much should be paid for an instrument of writing on paper, and how much for another on parchment? An act of Parliament, commanding us to do a certain thing, if it has any validity, is a tax upon us for the expense that accrues in complying with it. And for this reason, I believe, every colony on the continent that chose to give a mark of their respect for Great Britain in complying with the act relating to the troops, cautiously avoided the mention of that act, lest their conduct should be attributed to its supposed obligation. The matter being thus stated, the assembly of New York either had, or had not, a right to refuse submission to that act. If they had, and I imagine no American would say, they had not, then the Parliament had no right to compel them to execute it. If they had not that right, they had no right to punish them for not executing it, and therefore had no right to suspend their legislation, which is a punishment. In fact, if the people of New York cannot be legally taxed but by their own representatives, they cannot be legally deprived of the privileges of making laws only for insisting on that exclusive privilege of taxation. If they may be legally deprived in such a case of the privilege of making laws, why may they not, with equal reason, be deprived of every other privilege? OR Why may not every Colony be treated in the same manner, when any of them shall dare to deny their assent to any impositions that shall be directed? Or what signifies the repeal of the Stamp Act, if these Colonies are to lose their other privileges, by not tamely surrendering that of Taxation? There is one consideration arising from this suspicion which is not generally attended to, but choose its importance very clearly. It was not necessary that this suspension should be caused by an Act of Parliament. The Crown might have restrained the Governor of New York, even from calling the Assembly together by its prerogative in the Royal Governments. This step, I suppose, would have been taken if the conduct of the assembly of new york had been regarded as an act of disobedience to the crown alone but it is regarded as an act of disobedience to the authority of the british legislature this gives the suspension a consequence vastly more affecting it is a parliamentary assertion of the supreme authority of the british legislature over these colonies in the part of taxation and is intended to compel new york unto a submission to that authority. It seems, therefore, to me, as much a violation of the liberty of the people of that province, and, consequently, of all these colonies, as if the Parliament had sent a number of regiments to be quartered upon them, till they should comply. For it is evident, that the suspension is meant as a compulsion, and the method of compelling is totally indifferent. It is, indeed, probable, that the sight of red-coats, and the beating of drums, would have been most alarming, because people are generally more influenced by their eyes and ears, than by their reason. But whoever seriously considers the matter, must perceive, that a dreadful stroke is aimed at the liberty of these colonies, for the cause of one, is the cause of all. If the Parliament may lawfully deprive New York, of any of its rights, It may deprive any or all the other Colonies of their rights. And nothing can possibly so much encourage such attempts as a mutual inattention to the interest of each other. To divide, and thus to destroy, is the first political maxim in attacking those who are powerful by their union. He certainly is not a wise man, who folds his arms, and reposeth himself at home, seeing with unconcern the flames that have invaded his neighbour's house, without any endeavours to extinguish them. When Mr. Hamden's ship-money cause for three shillings and four pence was tried, all the people of England with anxious expectation interested themselves in the important decision. And when the slightest point touching the freedom of a single Colony is agitated, I earnestly wish that all the rest may with equal ardour support their sister. Very much may be said on this subject, but I hope more at present is unnecessary. With concern I have observed that two assemblies of this province have sat and adjourned, without taking any notice of this act. IT MAY PERHAPS BE ASKED WHAT WOULD HAVE BEEN PROPER FOR THEM TO DO? I AM BY NO MEANS FOND OF INFLAMMATORY MEASURES. I DETEST THEM. I SHOULD BE SORRY THAT ANYTHING SHOULD BE DONE WHICH MIGHT JUSTLY DISPLEASE OUR SOVEREIGN OR OUR MOTHER COUNTRY. BUT A FIRM, MODEST EXERTION OF A FREE SPIRIT SHOULD NEVER BE WANTING ON PUBLIC OCCASIONS. IT APPEARS TO ME that it would have been sufficient for the assembly to have ordered our agents to represent to the King's ministers their sense of the suspending act, and to pray for its repeal. Thus we should have borne our testimony against it, and might therefore reasonably expect that, on a like occasion, we might receive the same assistance from the other colonies. CONCORDIA RES PARVE CRESCUNT Small things grow great by concord. A. Farmer End of Letter One